well in your beds. Because if this thing comes true, there ain't gonna be any more. It's an elevator. Somebody sent those dead up here to get us. Now, there's no controls inside, but there's maintenance overrides in there. I was wrong. We were so wrong. We must leave. Hello, welcome once again to Dark Discussions, your place for discussion for our film, fiction, and all that's fantastic. I'm one of your co-host, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the US of A, and with me in the state of Michigan. This is Eric. Eric, how are you, sir? I am well. Excellent. And in the state of New York? Hi, this is Mike. Mike, how are you? I'm fine, Phil. How are you? Doing all right. And in the Commonwealth of Virginia? Hey, this is Barrett. Barrett, how are you? I'm okay. And a Connecticut American? This is Chrissy. Ah, Chrissy I'm back! I'm back. Everybody run. <laughs> How's it going, Chrissy? Um, pretty good. Really good. Excellent. Excellent. All right, so it's good to have Chrissy back for for this uh, episode, um, and she's always welcome at, at any point. Um, so a couple of things for house cleaning. Uh, first off, who are we? We are Dark Discussions Podcast, www.darkdiscussions.com. It's the main podcast on that website, which is a list of uh, a bunch of podcasts that are on there. Um, most of them uh, include... Uh, your co-host that you hear on this podcast, as well as a few other friends that that do podcasts as well. Uh, we do have an email. It's darkdiscussions at aol.com, or you can press the contact us uh, menu choice on any page of darkdiscussions.com, and that will open up an email as well. Uh, just make sure uh, you write DDP or Dark Discussions maybe in the subject, and then a little more in the subject uh, what your topic is about. Uh, so we know that the email is directly for this podcast and not one of the other podcasts. Uh, we'll read your email on the podcast, whatever it is. Uh, if you uh, want to give opinions on a prior episode, a film you just saw, uh, ideas, suggestions, uh, your your favorite horror films, anything, uh, please please uh, email us uh, at darkdiscussions at aol.com. Um, all right, so, uh, Eric, uh, what else can people find on www.darkdiscussions.com? Well, Phil, pause. They can find a link to our Patreon account on the website. Patreon is a service that allows you to financially contribute to your online artists. Um, like us, producing this show is not free. Uh, we have to pay for things like uh, domain names and web servers and uh, computer equipment and movie rentals and so on and so forth. So if you would like to help us offset the cost of producing this show, that's how you can do it. You can go to patreon.com slash dark discussions or click on the Patreon badge on any page of dark discussions.com. Any and all contributions are greatly appreciated. 
Indeed, indeed. And thank you very much uh, for all those folks who help. Uh, also, uh, for f- folks, uh, what we do here, we are a podcast that talks about movies, specifically horror, sci-fi, fantasy, thrillers, techno thrills, mysteries, grindhouse, arthouse, midnight movies, foreign language films, cult films, drive-in films, and the like. We basically try to talk intelligently about a genre that deserves intelligence. And speaking of uh, the episodes, uh, this episode is being recorded on uh, March 23rd, 2023, because some of our listeners like Pam are always curious when we do our episodes because they don't necessarily all come out uh, the very following week that they're recorded. For example, uh, I'm not sure when this episode will come out, probably pretty soon because it's a fairly new film, but our episode that's coming out tomorrow is Pearl, which uh, we recorded many moons ago. Um, so I think that pretty much is it for this episode uh, I guess uh, house cleaning so with all that stated I guess we can get into our topic tonight so Eric what are we going to discuss tonight tonight we're going to be talking about a film currently available VOD we're talking about They Wait in the Dark film by director Patrick Ray. Uh, he also wrote it, and he also edited it. Uh, the film uh, was released February 7th, 2023, uh, so uh, just over a month ago. Uh, it's an hour and 25 minutes. Uh, the actors, uh, I'm not familiar with many of them, but I'll, I'll read off some of their names here that are listed on uh, our websites. Uh, Sarah McGuire, Laurie, Catherine Winkle, Paige Maria, Patrick McGee, Megan Flynn, and Chris Bilsma. Um, and uh, the film was also produced by uh, Patrick Ray, among three other folk. Uh, the film is getting uh, 100% re- good reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Out of 11 reviews, one is a critical, uh, I guess, elite critic or whatever they call them, and that was by the New York Times. So uh, though the other places aren't noted uh the new york times did uh review this film and gave it a big thumbs up yeah mike you want to say something are are we seeing a verified critic yeah that's it verified critic indeed so all right so that's pretty much uh the stuff behind and in front of the, the camera uh for this film and i guess we can get into uh well, well. Also, uh, the, one other thing I wanted to bring up: uh, out of the eleven reviews, and the New York Times uh, got a hundred percent audience score from f- around forty or so, was sixty-three percent. So it's a little discrepancy there. Um, all right, so let's get into uh, how we heard about this film and what we thought about it. So uh, let's start with uh, you, Chrissy, since uh, you are, uh, I guess, appearing as a guest out of nowhere. She came out of nowhere. No, I came out of nowhere. 
Um, well, actually, I heard about this film because Patrick Ray and I are friends on Facebook. I think we're all probably friends with them on Facebook. But out of the blue, I don't even know when this was. I think it was the end of last year, maybe. Um, he dropped me a note and he said, oh, I just finished this new movie. And um, would you watch it? And, you know, what do you think? And I was like, oh, great. OK, yeah, because I like his work. I really enjoyed Arbor Day. Um you know, and like Arbor Day is still up there in terms of one of my favorite indie films, at least for me. And uh, I was like, oh, great. So I watched it and I really liked it. And um, and so that's how I heard about it. And then when it came out, I rented it and I'm actually going to recommend it for readers of 34 Orchard um, in this coming issue. Not because he, I just I wanted to start adding like things because people are always saying to me, well, what can I read? What can I watch? You know, what would you recommend? So I'm going to start just doing that of my own volition. Um, but, yeah, that's how I heard about it. And I really enjoyed this film. I thought the surprise was uh, well done. Um, I was very impressed with the special effects and the creep factor on such a small budget. I thought story-wise it was pretty tight. Um, I really enjoyed what it had to say underneath about all kinds of issues, you know, trauma and motherhood and generational trauma and all kinds of that stuff. Um, I thought it had great symbolism. I just all around enjoyed it. Um, and I would definitely classify it as a slow burn. Um, I had thought about Maybe the first half could go a little quicker, but I think you would lose something if you did, uh, because there's a lot going on in there. Um, and Patrick had said his biggest concern with this movie was that it was going to be like people were going to like not like it. And and I had kind of said, well, you know, it's going to be divisive because I think it's a quiet horror film. You know, it's not loud. It's not splashy. It's really more of a dark drama. Um, so that's how I heard about it. And that's what I thought. All right. Sounds good. Uh, Eric, what do you got? Uh, well, I had, uh, noticed this movie while scrolling through iTunes. Cause I recognize Patrick Ray's name. Cause we've done a couple of his films on the show before and I generally like them. So I put it in my wish list to watch later and then, uh, it got suggested as an episode. So yeah, um, this is this is a pretty decent indie film. Um, certainly a lot better than a couple other ones I've watched this year. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, won't mention any names. Scamrick. Uh, anyway, <laughs> that, that literally was like watching mold grow. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was worse. At least mold would be doing something. <laughs> All right, sorry. Anywho, anywho, um. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, I, I I generally liked it. Um, I did have a couple issues with it, which we'll get into later. Um, but really, it is it is a solid effort for a, for a low budget indie film. All right. Sounds good. Um, yeah. I, uh, uh, for me, uh, I heard about the film um, because uh, Chrissy mentioned it uh, to me a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and so I put it on my uh, to watch list. And uh, we were going through uh, films to do, and then I said, oh, that's right. I heard about this film, and it's getting good reviews on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, for whatever that means. Um, and like, 
stupid Siri. Um, and like Eric said, uh, we had done a couple of uh, Patrick Ray, the director's uh, films before, Arbor, Arbor Demon, as uh, we, um, Chrissy mentioned, and then Nailbiter uh, we did as well. And so um, we uh, said, yeah, let's do this one. So uh, I watched it um, early this morning um, and a little at lunch. And um, it was, uh, yeah, what Eric said, it was uh, a pretty good uh, little indie film. Um, uh, and, and Chrissy uh, said it was a quiet kind of drama. And I think that's because it was uh, a small cast and limited locations. Um, it was, uh, interesting as had some, uh, uh, a really good, good twist as, as Chrissy said that came out and I don't know if it came out of nowhere, but it was unexpected and, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. It was, a it was a fine film. Uh, let's go with you, Barrett. Um, yeah, I was told that we were watching this film. I had not heard of it. Um, I enjoyed the film. It I think my biggest critique was that it felt a little uneven because um, you get to a certain point and it rushes to the end and it's a slow burn up until that point. Um, but otherwise, it's a it's a great film. I like the twist at the end. I was not expecting it. I wasn't even looking for it, actually. So <laughs> I really liked it. Um, and I thought the acting was fairly good. And for an indie film, it definitely delivered. All right, sounds good. And Mike? Uh, yeah, I found out about the film because I told we were going to watch it, and so I watched it. Um, i I got to be honest, I remember watching Nailbiter. I don't really remember much of anything about it. Uh, but I do remember Arbor Day. I remember liking Arbor Day quite a bit. Uh I thought this film was okay. I thought it was fine. I think it's it's um, it is a, a low budget film and it has the uh, hallmarks of a low budget film, shall we say? Um, meaning you're not going to get quite the same polish that you would. It was a film with a uh, seven figure budget. Um, so just audiences should be aware of that going in. And with that said, I think it works well. I think it's a good idea. Uh, some of the twists I kind of saw coming, but it's you know they're kind of telegraphed, so I don't know how much they were supposed to be a surprise. Um, others I, I didn't, um, but it is a, a an interesting drama piece. I think for me it works more as a character drama than it does as a horror film because I didn't find it that scary and suspenseful. Uh, there was a moment where the child is staring at a wall and is scared, and I had a flashback to Skinamarink. Uh, <laughs> that that was probably the scariest part of the film for me. Just was the the, the thought I might accidentally have stepped into Skinamarink three after also doing the Outwaters. <laughs> um, but yeah, but no, I think it's a, a a good film, and if you like small indie horror, want to uh, want to support small indie films, it's it's a good one to to give your money to. All right, sounds good. So uh, that's our opinions on that. And uh, with that, uh, whether it's a Rotten Tomato, an IMDb, or a wiki, Eric, what do we got? Wiki, wiki. Amy, comma, 
a young woman is on the run with her young son, Adrian, from her abusive ex-girlfriend. When the past rises up to haunt them, they must confront the forces threatening them from both outside and in. All right. Uh, yeah, okay. That's that's good. Works. Um, doesn't tell, tell you too much, which is fine. Um, so, uh, basically, uh, what we do here on Dark Discussions Podcast, for those who are new to the podcast or our regular listeners, uh, basically what we do is we don't just review the film. We also critique and dissect it. So up to a certain point, we'll just talk about general stuff, uh, not related to spoilers. Um, and at a certain point we will throw up the spoiler alert. And at that point we will, uh, critique and dissect, uh, specific scenes, uh, the twist, uh, the ending, uh, the characters, motivations and all that stuff, which would, uh, obviously spoil the film. Uh, but again, uh, we, we are a critique and dissection podcast as well as a review podcast, and that's why we throw up the spoiler alert. So, with that stated, uh, at this point, we can talk about general stuff, and uh, where do we want to begin? Um, what type of film would you call this? Uh, I mean, obviously we said it's a drama, and we said it's a horror film, but, but I mean, what type of horror film would this be considered, I guess? Um, I, I, is it a demon film? Is it a ghost film? Is it a serial killer film what what, what is it it's, i would it more a... classify it as a ghost film and and by the way i'm so sorry it is arbor demon not arbor day so sorry i screwed that up um his other film that we like yeah there was um, an arbor day uh parody in mad magazine way back in the 70s for all right the... no it's not that so yeah. sorry that was totally my fault um my brain has not been working at full capacity lately so i do apologize um i would actually call this a for me anyway i would call it a haunted house film just because it seems to have all of those hallmarks even though the stress is really on the character drama like i really wouldn't I don't know that I'd call it like, I mean, it has some Poe-esque elements, but I don't know that I'd call it like a Poe type of film. You know what I mean? I don't Chris, know. Let me, let me ask you this, Chrissy. Uh, would you call it something similar, even though Insidious had a demon? There's a scene in that where, where the, the ghost hunter, she says, uh, it's not the house that's haunted. It's it's your son, and so I'm thinking it's like a, a go. If it's a haunted house, it's kind of like a haunting where well they follow the character rather than stay at the house because it's not necessarily the house, right? I I don't even know if that's it, and I I think we should expand this discussion past the spoiler flag, sure, um, because sure. that was actually one of my, my one of my issues with the movie. So um, I'd like to to put a pin in that and dive into more detail later. Okay. okay. Yeah, that, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. So we'll, we'll talk about uh, house versus person um, after the spoiler alert. Now, uh, Chrissy, any, anything else you were going to continue to say before I interjected there? No, I was just going to say maybe it could be considered just a ghost story. Okay. You well, know? I, think, I think like a lot of ghost stories and you have a little variation in the genre, in the, the genre but, you know, there are certain tropes and this is very much a case of um where the ghost isn't really what drives the story mm -hmm. and the ghost is kind of a manifestation of the, the 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 fears and the sins and the insecurities of the 
main characters. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. it's a matter of the characters being haunted by their past, and the ghost is a manifestation of that. So it's not like a poltergeist, right? Where it's right. Uh, where it's an external threat. Um, it is. Well, it kind of is at the end. I mean. Oh, but it's but it, it is coming from these characters. It's a very personal thing. To that, right? That's why I threw up the insidious thing, where it where it's like specific to an individual rather than. But, that, but that's still to, to a, me an external threat. Yeah, that's that's a, uh, right. That's true. Yeah. So that's why I think like you get to the like Poe, and you know you could argue like a Telltale Ooh. heart kind of. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Your sins coming back to haunt you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Chrissy, your 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 Poe reference. Drinks. It's some, somewhat, yeah. It's it's somewhat. I just somewhat, took a shot. It's somewhat valid, to be honest. Um, I, I would think, and 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 I'll even throw out Lovecraftian too, because of the haunting of yeah. people's souls and and the. I think the, you're reaching on that one. Yeah, maybe I'm reaching on that. <laughs> you're right. I but, 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 but the Poe one works. I like the Poe one because yeah. Yeah, there are definite. Or whatever, yeah. Go on. Oh, the black cats, another one that that they were all like guilt and, and the sins. Yeah, but, that's that's what I was gonna say. It's poes because really, what's driving it is her sense of guilt, right? So that's the trigger. Right, but I think Barrett has a good point too, which is mm-hmm. it's not a behavioral health thing in the sense that even though they have this guilt and and the sins that they do, a creature possibly does manifest and actually is there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, the, the, yeah. it's it's a it's a metaphor for what they're feeling, but it's there. Yeah. I don't think this is one of those things like uh, Babadook where you could debate whether or not there was ever actually a creature, um, or, or is it your imagination? I think, no, yeah. it, it leaves consequences. Yes. Right. Yeah, and, and that's fair. And and I think um, there is also uh, a vengeance going on too, even though there's a guilt. And, and we can even argue, is the guilt and the sins of the past the thing that makes them susceptible to be... Again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just think we're wandering awfully close to spoiler territory, that's all. Yeah, I know, that's, that's why I was trying to avoid um, what I was trying to bring up, because it goes yeah. right into spoiler. <laughs> right, right. Well, let me throw this out here, which is a, just a quick summation. Uh, we have this woman and her uh, son... Uh, who are what we call um, uh, homeless or, or destitute. And uh, so we meet them in our, in our convenience store, basically camping out in the back uh, uh, aisle uh, for heat and, and, and whatever. And then they um, are basically uh, heading towards uh, her home, where she grew up, some small rural town, uh, that there's a house that is, in theory, her property, even though she hasn't been there for a long time because of, um, I guess, uh, her past. And uh, we also find out that there's this other woman um, who is looking for her and the boy, um, and the IMDb Rotten Tomato, whatever, basically uh, says that it's an ex-girlfriend, a quote-unquote abusive ex-girlfriend. Though um, could even have been a spouse. We, we don't we don't know. Uh, so that's pretty much the setup, right? Yeah. 
Okay, good, good. Um, all right, so uh, what else uh, did people want to bring up before we get into spoiler stuff? Is there anything else of note that they wanted to talk about? Um, I just would say that I had a particular – I, I don't think I've ever had this particular issue <laughs> with acting in a movie before, um, which is that uh, the three main adult characters in this movie are all women, and they all – had the same weakness. And by the end of the movie, it was bugging me. Um, which was that when they tried to act tough, I just wasn't buying it. Um, <laughs> and all three of them have to do it at one point or another. Um, so I thought that was a really weird thing to have be consistent. Um, and, uh, they're all great in, in certain parts of the movie, but when, when they have to act tough, I was just like, eh, I don't believe this person's, tough uh, <laughs> so that was that was that was one of my main issues with the movie yeah and 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 it was fair like you said earlier eric that there's it's it's a it's a really good film for an indie film and as mike mm-hmm. said too you can tell that it's an indie film because there is certain spots i i had an issue with the the diner scene with the the waitress uh who's one of the three characters you were referring to and mm-hmm. her expressions and comments were just didn't fit with with how I feel a waitress would 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 have acted, but but again, he, uh, you know, asparagus. No, it had nothing to do with asparagus. It, it was it was a diner, so they don't they wouldn't serve <laughs> asparagus at a diner. That's only at a high end restaurant. Um, so yeah, I, it, it's uh, it is what it is. I, I, but I see your point. Uh, you you could you could probably point at certain points where oh, that's that's well, a minor issue. I think there's one character in particular who is supposed to be the tough badass, right? Right. The yeah. way she's portrayed in the film. So, uh, like the lead, I didn't get the sense of like that she was supposed to be like the deliberately tough, intimidating character. She's a manipulator. Got issues. Yeah. I think it was fair to say. Yeah, that's um, absolutely fair to say. And that and that I bought, um, and I could buy like her acting out of fear or desperation or anger, but I don't get it like that. She was supposed to be an intimidating presence, mm-hmm. the way the other uh, is supposed to be. Sure. And part of that is intended as a red herring. Um, I, you know, I also again, this is a this is a low budget film, and performances uh are crafted not just by the character by the, the quality of the actors you 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 cast but also by the amount of rehearsal time you get how many takes you get to do uh how much time you have to do those those takes and those preps and that can really limit what you get in terms of performance uh that's kind of outside the the control of of the actor too so I don't think the performances are bad, but I can get it. Yeah, it felt like the character who was acting tough was acting tough as opposed to a character who was tough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I think Amy, too, you know, without giving away spoilers, I think part of Amy's issue as a character was also supposed to be that she was sort of driven to do things by circumstance or victimization rather than, you know, I'm, you know, this perpetrator, if that makes any sense. 
Um, and Amy was the, you know, the one that wasn't being, Amy was the one who was at her house. Um, but I do agree with you. There are definitely, um, I think putting out the, letting everyone know that, yes, there are moments where this definitely is, and it feels like an indie film so that people do not go in expecting, you know, like there were a couple of sound things that were kind of a little off, but I mean, this film is just so much better than so many indie films you could be watching. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, if, no, if I'm just, you are I'm indie- just trying to be, you know, yeah, totally. Totally. There were definitely- in the way I review movies, whether it's an indie film or not, that's all. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, I think it's certainly, like I said, I think if we made a list, there would probably be all things that we could say that, you know what I mean? That are not great. Um, but, Overall, I liked it. But yeah, and I had some questions, too, about a couple of plot things. So we'll get to those later. There yeah, I got some plot stuff, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about uh, the Amy character in more detail uh, during the, the spoiler. Amy, um, as you mentioned, was the character that uh, was the destitute woman that had the son. And uh, we're heading back to their uh, the town where where she she grew up and and had a, a property there that I guess she inherited, uh, but she was avoiding the town uh, due to um, I guess uh, the haunts of the past. You could say. Um, anything else? Any anybody wanted to discuss? I still don't understand the significance of the title, but we can get to it. I don't need, I don't either. I, I, I think maybe <laughs> it was a cool title that he thought, um, though I think it was kind of generic too, because there's a lot of films in the past year or two with titles very similar. So it, it got confusing. Um, and I had to keep on walking w- w- it up continuously to say, Oh, what the hell's the name of it again? Cause you know, me and Barrett, Interviewed well, it's some directors. I just don't know what it's trying to evoke. It's like, what was that that film that you really liked about five or six years ago? Film. Oh, that, uh, it comes at night, right? See, I didn't have to go anywhere with it, and you knew which one I was talking about. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> where like nothing came at night. <laughs> I knew exactly which film you were talking about. <laughs> and, and and it's a it's a it's a great title. It just was not the title to go with the film. But you know, got that's true. And then, and in, actually, in that particular case, it, it led to a very bad marketing campaign. Oh, um, yeah. But it was mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here, I'm not sure. I mean, who it, it was really not in the dark as much as you would expect. I, I mean, it sounds cool. I just don't think it's particularly connected to the story here. That's all. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it is. I, I think Well, it, it just sounds cool. But yeah, well, when we, we when we get we can either do this now or after the spoiler. But I think I can do this. I'm I don't know if I can do it without spoilers. But I we'll post spoiler then. Yeah, we'll do it post spoiler. But I I know it's a metaphor, and the Metaphors visual. Are dumb. Yeah, but the but the visual <laughs> motif. One of the visual motifs in this film that I really want to talk about um, connected it connects it clearly to that title. So. I don't know if Patrick was actually thinking that deeply, but that it, it made sense to me completely. So I can totally do that after the spoilers if you want. And oh, then yes, you guys please. can yes. tell me if I'm full of yeah. shit or not. Oh, yeah. No, you that, have no that, idea that's... how often we say, gee, we wish Chrissy was here to explain this. Film. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we do know we do know one dumb title or a title that had nothing to do with the movie 
was just kept intentionally because it's like, ah, oh, who cares? We'll just keep the title. And that was the film Barbarian. Uh, <laughs> right. You know, really? And, yeah. Yeah. He, he just, he named it as the, the, the working title. And then once it was all done, he goes, oh, I would just keep the name. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> it was, right. was a working I'm title too, but they just couldn't think of anything better. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and the the, the closest the, the closest argument in Barbarian is that it's set on uh, a Barbary Street on Barbary Street and which you you know yeah. it's not like you make a big deal out of it you right. know uh, it's just you know right it wasn't like you focused on the, the the street name continuously throughout the film so right right yeah so, but either way that that was just a little little joke there so this one at least may have some meaning even if we're we're not quite sure uh though chrissy may be able to give us some light on it uh let's see anything else that we wanted to talk about that's generic uh before we uh get into uh any spoiler stuff uh anything anyone all right all right uh all right so i guess we'll uh get into the spoiler part so uh uh, if you haven't uh, seen the film and you are curious to see it before we spoil it uh you can vod it uh rental anywhere Movies are found. Uh, you buy it or purchase it. Uh, at the moment, it is not free unless you have Showtime, I think. Uh, Showtime, I think it's it's streaming there, I'm, but I'm not sure. But either way, it's, it's available rental everywhere. Uh, so, with all that stated, uh, we are now in the spoiler t- territory, and we will talk about anything and everything related to the film. Um, all right, so what do we want to do? Uh, yeah, all right, let's go with the title. That just quick get that out of the way. That's that's that would help us out. So, Chrissy, you said you you had some insight to what the title means. Yeah, light. The idea of light in general is a very strong visual motif in this, and it starts right away. The street lights come on in the first scene there, um, you know, underneath the title credits, and they almost have. I'll talk about the greenish tint later because I actually think that's also, I think that's a great Gatsby illusion actually. Um, But all of the lights in this film, it's like in the opening sequence, the street lights come on as she's walking. There is a specific point put on the light in the motel. When she gets to the motel and she opens the door, there's the single light behind her. And it's pretty obvious that it's pointed out. Um, So there's already this concept of her being led by light, right? She gets to the house and there's lights. And also once the ghost shows up, the ghost only shows up physically. In other words, us actually physically seeing the ghost in the light. So they wait in the dark is really about our secrets, our crimes, Um, It's a metaphor that your sins are eventually always going to come out into the light, no matter how much you try to keep them in the dark and in the shadow where people cannot see them. It's almost Um, like skeletons in the closet. It's almost like a skeletons in the closet thing. And so even though it's they wait in the dark, that's why I think it's plural. And it's not like she waits in the dark. So, in this beginning of this film, when Amy is going and there's these lights that specifically come on around her or, but there's a lot, if you really think about it, there are a lot of light references in this. Now, granted, I watched this film three times. So I was really looking for those things and making specific note of them. Um, So, but it really is about she's being led. In other words, 
during this film, as she's going to this house, all of these light cues are sort of giving us as the viewer, the cue that all her shit's going to come out. Like all her stuff's going to come out. She, but she kind of brings it on herself. So it's almost like no matter what you do, those things are going to come out. You can't hide them. And that's what I think the significance of the title is. Hmm. So like I said, it's a thought. But I had enough stuff to back up my thesis, so. <laughs> no, I think that really that worked. Anything I got. <laughs> that, that, see, the funny thing is that's that's weird because one of the things I was thinking of, um, because I mentioned like I didn't find it like terribly scary. It's like that. It was often in well lit scenes, right? It was often mm-hmm. you know in the house with the lights on it, and now now that of course thematically makes a lot of sense well and the light itself is it you know anytime we're in light it's a th- it's almost like a threat to her yeah I like her. Um, I like her. There, there was a lot of a lot of the scenes that were occurring um that were started playing scary music and whatever i it was interesting because it was in the daylight i was like oh that's interesting because i was mm-hmm. not expecting that and so uh, there is a lot of light in the film, um, and I don't think it was intentionally done because it's a low-budget film and, and it's harder to do in the dark. I think it was specifically because, like you said, that the sins are coming out. I mean, it, it's a good metaphor, whether it was intentional or not. So, correct me if I'm misremembering, but um, I I think I recall that there were no manifestations. Nah, I can speak English. Uh, there were no manifestations before the boy went down to the basement and lit the candles. Am I right? That's correct. That's correct. Okay. Yes. So he instigated the whole thing. So well, was it really, was it really I, an attachment to? I mean, was it was it because of him, or was it because of what well, his parents had done? That's a really good question because first off, they try to make us think that the house has been vandalized because of teenagers using it to party at because they knew it was quote unquote abandoned. However, I was beginning to believe when she went in the basement and saw the the pentagram and the candles, I was thinking that, oh, by the end of the film, I was thinking, oh, that's her. She was the one that that was a devil worshiper or some freak like that before um, the whole story even started. And oh. basically, you know what I'm because when I didn't they, think that at all because her friend mentioned that teenagers had been holding seances. Right. Well, that's what I'm thinking. I think it was a, a red herring for us to believe that. And then when she was down there, she was more nonchalant about it and just didn't want her son to see it. But I don't know. You could be right. But then you find out later at the end of the movie, she was like a devil worshiper. And so I'm thinking, okay, that may be her. However, Did we find that out? yeah, That's well, they were, they were in the robes. That was kind of like, like white robes. I mean, they kind of looked devil worshiping to me when there, they did you mean their, during the, during the murder scene. Yeah, that yeah, was exactly. black robes. Was yeah, black it was black robes. robes. Okay, it was black robes. Yeah, okay. I don't know so, if that was any kind of ritual. I think they were just trying no, to I think they were just hide themselves. Yeah. 
All right. Yeah, um, maybe, I, for some reason, I just thought maybe it, they were – well, the way she said do it for me, and I, I don't know, it just sounded like well, satanic. And I have something to add to that because she seemed to be not remembering everything at one point. So she could have put those candles – you know, she could have put the candles down there herself and not known about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It might have well, been the and- spirits, the spirits doing that, getting her to do that. So then the sun lit them, and it was all kind of part of the what the spirit was trying to get done. Yeah. See, and this was one of the things I was going to ask you guys about because one of my and Phil, that's a really interesting concept that you mentioned. I didn't even cross my mind, but it would kind of make sense. Um, but this ghost, you know, I was sort of like, why here? Why now? You know, it was like going back to the childhood home could have opened up Amy's inner demons, you know, as a manifestation of guilt. And there were spells and rituals done in the house, regardless of who did them. Mm -hmm. Um, And that could have called up essentially anything, you know, depending on what those rituals were. But at the end, you know, when the ghost is waving to Adrian and Adrian's waving to his mom, his dead, you know, the, the, his a real mother mm-hmm. in the car, I was kind of like, okay, but now that ghost is stuck there. I don't know. I had, well, you know, I just well, had I, a little bit of confusion about it. I really wasn't sure. So well, I'm glad somebody brought it up. And this is the thing is that I, I felt like you said, yeah, right. I mean, any, I mean. In my opinion, when you do seance and all that stuff, I don't believe any of it anyway, and, and it's all crapola. So, you know, people, no matter if it's her or teenagers that broke into the house that did these seances, nothing's going to happen, you know, because nothing, there's, no, there's nothing there. It's all fake. So you can't take that stance if we're going to talk about the movie. First. No, 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 no. But this, this, <laughs> this is the part. This is the part where, where it gets interesting, where, which is now when the boy lights the candles, there's a big difference now. Because now she has done a murder, and not just a murder, but a disgusting thing to a human body as well, and almost satanic, just the act itself is is like as evil as you can get. And now when the boy lights the candles, and her being in the house, now tainted as evil, the candles then can pull evil or demons or ghosts from the afterlife while before when she wasn't tainted or when teenagers are doing it when they're not tainted nothing's going to happen when you light candles and well the the big question i have the big question i have that i don't think can be answered is say the little boy didn't light those candles say jenny went down to the basement and lit those candles would the ghost have showed up that's a good question too well based off of my possibility and it's just a, a, a guess or, or a hypothesis yes because the evil is in the house meaning amy she's evil hmm. but wasn't you know. she tainted before i know you said tainted. oh yeah well she did kill her mother you're right she killed her mom yeah I mean, right yeah but well, it and, might have and been I'll, this specific taint <laughs> well and although woman. we don't find out that she's actually the one who instigated the murder, right? Because Judith is the one who actually did the final blow to the, to Adrian's mother. Mm-hmm. Um, right. There peer are pressure that, though. Right. Right. Yeah. Peer yeah. pressure. Well, there it's her are, telling the story though. Right. I mean, she's telling the girl in the car about it. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Well, it, I, I, I was, I'm, I was 
I see your point, but I, it's I a little it, self-serving. I mean, I, I, I felt no, it was no, le- I felt it was legit, and she even says it like you had me murder before. She says it before the, but anyway, continue. We see, we see the flash. I'm actually rewatching it. Yeah, right I thought now. it was a flashback. We see the flashback. Yeah. She's telling the son about it. Okay, that's that's how I have it. Missed. And seeing the flashback yeah, as she's kind of saying what she did, even if she doesn't say the words. I, I take it to mean that we're seeing it through her eyes, those events, through her memories of those events. Um, as I'm watching it, I'm not sure if they're in black robes or just dressed in like black hoodies because they're breaking into a place and murdering somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, I read that know. as black hoodies. But Mike, I, I, I did it as robes. But yeah. could, she's yeah, telling the story, black. but isn't the other woman telling the story as well around the same time? Like they're flashing back and forth between those two, and there's the flashback of the story of how they killed the woman. I, I think I because I'm kind of hopping around here. Um, yeah. I think I, it's I just like she's saying, like you don't know your friend as as well as you think you do, and then I think that's all you get out of that. Then they think they cut to her telling the story to the kid in the bathtub. Well, no, because they come back to them, and the girl looks shaken because she's told her something. Mm-hmm. About what happened, it's like they no, come back think, to the car. I, Mike, but you're right that when we get the actual flashback, it's when she's um, telling you the truth. It's intercut with her telling the story to the boy. It's not intercutting. It felt it, intercut to me because we start with them. She's telling, she's talking to the girl in the car. Then we go mm-hmm. to her telling her son. It's showing the flashback. Then we return to the car. The girl looks shaken, and I'm not sure who's telling the story. Then, <laughs> well, you know what? I'm thinking they they could be both telling the story, <laughs> and and we see it the the flashback, which is actually the, the real story, the which truth. is just, yeah. yeah, the truth, which is well, what and what's both are saying. What's really interesting about that too, in that scene in particular, where we do get the truth, is that you basically have two unreliable narrators there. Like you don't yeah. know which freaking one of them is actually telling the truth. Like, right, but since they only I mean? show I one that flashback, was really well done. Yeah, because they I was only like, show oh. one flashback. I think that was the the truth, and I think they were probably both saying the exact same thing, which was what we saw in the flashback. So it wasn't like one was lying and the other one was was blaming the other. Well, I think they were the one thing. Yeah, the one thing we do know is that she instigated it because she thought he was too beautiful for that woman to keep her, and she wanted right. it. Right. So we know that she instigated it, whether, whether you know, the rest of it, you know, I guess is the truth, as mm-hmm. the movie wants now, us to think of it. One thing I will say is that for, oh, about 75% of this movie, I was thinking to myself that, man, this whole storyline with the ex trying to track him down is a complete waste of fucking time. Why is this even <laughs> in the movie? It's it's just filler. It means nothing. Why they even put this storyline in here? And then I was really impressed at the end of the movie when it turned out to be a completely relevant. I was like, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, and it's really well justified, too. Um, I mean, basically, we kind of are told, if you read sort of the visual motifs and you read close enough, we're basically told that Amy is the murderer from the from the beginning. 
Like mm-hmm. there's red on the mother's neck, right? Even though we don't see Amy holding the knife until later. Mm-hmm. There's the hotel room is all done in red. And then when she walks into the house, it says murderer in red on the walls. And of course, at that point, if you haven't seen the movie, you're thinking, oh, they're referring to Amy's dad. Right, right. But no, they're fucking not. They're referring to her. Like, right. or at least, you know, in terms of getting the clues in. Um, but no, yeah, was, that, was, that's one of the things that impressed, impressed me. I was that they Twitter. managed to bring that around without me sniffing it out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think th- I felt the same way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really well done. Um, and yeah, the other thing, too, I thought, like I said about the flashback, was the double unreliable narrator. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just because then when it's all done and you cut back to Amy leading her son and they're back in the house it, out of the room, I suddenly am like, oh, no, Amy might actually be a threat to him. Mm-hmm. For a second. And so it kind of upped the tension for me a little bit because I honestly didn't know which one of them to trust. Right. You know, I was like, okay, wh- who is really the good, right? Because there's always a good cop and a bad cop. So who is really the good cop and who's really the bad cop? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had, I had deduced. Um, now, they, they I, I didn't really care for the scene at the gas station where right. he, like, cuts the guy. That felt kind of like a forced. Yeah, and that was that was by far the worst offender, as far as my comment earlier about the tough but not seeming tough. Yeah, that that was that was weird because those guys. I mean, we don't know anything about those characters, so they could just be, um, you know, a bunch of guys. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, they could just be a bunch of guys uh, hanging out and no big deal, and they're they're harmless. But they also could have been. You know, nowadays you, you just don't know, right? I mean, I, I don't ever even give a finger to somebody when I'm driving because they could just pull out a gun and shoot me. So, yeah, her, for her to do what she did, like, which is yeah. what she did, pull out the gun basically, but in this case it was a knife. That you still had three or four guys there, and she walks away, and I, I, I don't know. I can't believe that they didn't like have a baseball bat or something that would have, or started swearing the back at her. You know, they just they hang around back down. What's that? You normally hang around places with a baseball bat. Well, they, they, it could have been they could have had a baseball bat in the okay. back. Okay, once she picks up the knife to you know? him in the in between the legs, I, I'm not getting involved. I don't care if it's my friend or not. You're a dumbass. <laughs> well, no, 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 I'm not disagreeing with you, but and, and that's what I'm saying. We don't know enough about these guys. They could have just been shocked and like, what the hell just happened? And uh, I think that was it. But I don't yeah. think it was necessary. I think we were already getting. I mean, the bad girl vibes, right. and we didn't need to see that she was, and we and we knew that their lead character was 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 terrified of her. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. We, we already were picking all that up. Sure. We then didn't need to see her stand up to a guy who pack calls, right, and cut him between the legs. You know, we didn't we didn't that. I don't think we needed to see. No, I think right. I think you definitely needed something to establish the fact that she was capable of actually killing the, you know, the, the Adrian's mother. I think maybe that's why that was there, but I think you didn't need that much. I would agree. You know, it could have been something her attitude or something a little more subtle. Yeah. I I was show a knife wound early on and you, and that's, uh, that might even been cut to the, to her flicking the knife or using the knife. 
So you already have that connection. Mm -hmm. And they have her in just her general demeanor and attitude. And then it was just sort of a random picking a fight that she doesn't need to pick a fight with. Um, But regardless, I'd already picked up the idea that what what we're going to find out, I have a feeling, is that our lead was going to be the real psycho of the two. Right. Um, But there were already signs by that point that she yeah. was completely okay, that she may have been abusive. And rather than stealing the child from the abusive mom, she may be the abusive mom who's stealing the child. Yeah. There, um, there were signs through the film where, where she like right. f- freaks out at, at the dinner table. And it's like, Ooh, this is kind of weird. And then they try to throw red herrings by, showing flashbacks of how the mother would force her to eat or something. And then, Oh, okay. That's why she's acting that way. But again, it was just made me think, okay, whether or not she had an abusive childhood as a child herself, it's, it's looking like she's part of the cycle that's continuing. Right. So, so well, I think that's right. the other thing is when you know something about, I mean, like just basic elementary, well understood psychology and human behavior, you know, that someone who has been, raised in an abusive household often uh, becomes an abuser themselves. So once it's established early in the film that she had an abusive mom, it's not hard to figure out that she's also going to end up being abusive. But that's why I said earlier, at the beginning of the the episode of this podcast, that I figured out one of the twists, but I think they were were telegraphing that early on. So I don't think that was like a great pat on the back. I think it's pretty obvious. I concur, Mike, because, because there's a lot of ways they could have showed her damage and not being abusive, but they kept on showing things that made her look abusive. They could have just had her cry in the corner or stare at the wall in, in melancholy or something like that. But they had her say, you know, eat your fucking food and, and a couple of other things. And it's like, OK, that, we, we know which way the damage has, has made this person, you know, because they didn't show things that were more self-harm or just depression. It was abusive to the young boy. So I, I would concur there. Yeah, that that would make sense because the other way, but initially I think they did well kind of like in the first, at least for me in the first 15, 20 minutes, I didn't, because we didn't even see that till later anyway, but I think, but you know, in the first 15, 20 minutes, there was enough there that they sort of gave you as, like you said, a red herring where it was like, okay, um, where she was kind of acting like she was the abused one. Cause sometimes people who are abused, they don't become abusive. They become victims with their next partner. And so I think a good job was done of sort of setting me up or me personally to go down that road with it because like she shows up at the motel, she doesn't have a credit card, right? She's got the wound on her side. Then she's paranoid when there's a sound in the middle of the night and she goes rushing to the window to look um, she's looking around nervously as they walk away from the hotel. She has a burner phone. She doesn't want anybody to find her. So I think initially you sort of think, okay, like you kind of buy that she's not the abusive one. But then right. as you guys pointed out later on, like you said, eat your fucking food and throwing the dish and, and, and that made sense. Um, well, and she immediately regrets it each time she does it that we see. Yeah, but right. she still does it, and it's still not good. But right. well, but it's, it's strange like, because the kid trusts her more. 
than the other it, it's, woman. It's like the black phone film where the the father beats his kids up and then you know an hour later apologizes. You know, it's like yeah. so so that's still abusive no matter what, right? So right. I, 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 I like your point there, Barrett, to bring that up that she she keeps on always feeling bad about it after the fact. But again abusers she, always do, right? Yeah, right. They always do. <laughs> they pretend yeah. to anyway. Right. They pretend and, to anyway. Yeah. And, 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 and oh, I was just gonna add this thing was with to what Chrissy's point was before you, you bring in Mike. Uh was that yeah, they, they made it look like she was on the run from a very bad person and, and Barrett even texted me as he was watching the film saying, Oh, they're they're definitely um trying to make us uh feel for the for this woman for sure. Because, you know, like you said, Chrissy, there's a stab wound, she's she's using a burner phone and all this other stuff. But the moment she gets back home, that's when we start seeing the bad stuff, uh the true her, I guess. But Mike, you were gonna say something. Well I say the other problem with these kind of twists is the fact that it is a movie. Yeah. And we always have to have a twist or a turn in it. You know, something unexpected happened. You know, when it's, you know, the movie says they're going to go to the store and they go to the store and the movie's over. It's a really shitty film. Right. So there has to be something that happens in there that the audience is not expecting. It doesn't have to be Shyamalan. Like, like The Mist. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. It could be a uh. twist like The Mist. The mist twist, um, but so you're there. So if you're an ex- uh, if you're watching a film like we tend to, one of the things you're trying to do is ent- you 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 anticipate. It's it's not a thing that you necessarily uh, are trying to do. It's just a habit. It's pattern recognition, and you're like, okay, so there's going to be oh, I know what's going to happen, right? You you do that with the film, or I think I figured out what. So you're actually actively looking for it. In real life, that's not the case, right? Real life is not a uh, one of those crime procedural shows where the primary suspect is never the actual one who did the crime. <laughs> right. You know, the person, yeah, the red, the person the red in real yeah. life, the person you most suspect did it. <laughs> you know, and in real life, the woman who's running away with a burner phone and no credit card and, you know, and it's trying to stay hidden is probably the victim, right? Is probably the, the uh, exactly way she appears to be, but this is not real life. This is movie life. Right. Well, Mike, if, you, if so, I could add to this, you, uh, you can have, uh, a, you can still be a victim and also be in a, uh, a victimizer as well, right? And oh, so, yeah, 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 absolutely. So, so, and that's what this film is: is that the two lead woman characters, not including the, the the waitress, but the other two, are both victimizers and victims of each other, because yeah. I think they're both just bad people. So, because you know, if they're willing to do what they do, and maybe one was dragged in and then became evil too, but I mean. Everybody's suspect well, in the first place. I think she's she cries a little too much, cries wolf a little too much, you know, like blaming it all on her. She still killed that woman. In that's the end. that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, they're both they're both going to jail for life or executed if they were ever caught. Um, well, they're they're both terrible people and I appreciate that too. Right. This was not a 
right, right. Uh, as much as I like moral ambiguity, this is not a, oh, feel badly for them. If this was, no, 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 these are both terrible, terrible people. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny because you have this haunting of the ghost. Um, and I actually felt really bad for the ghost. Like, once I figured out what was going on, like, I was like, this is so sad. Like, I feel so you know, you don't often oh, feel disgusting. pity for ghosts yeah. in horror films. You don't usually. You know, you're you're scared of them or you're angry with them or you're like, oh, I hope these people, you know, these final girl gets the bad ghost. And in this one, I was just like, oh, my God, this ghost just needs to get rid of these people. This is so awful. Like, well, I, well, you know, one of my one of my things about the end, though, is I don't understand um, I mean, agree with everything you're you're saying. These women were horrible, but I don't understand why the ghost, his mom, was trying to uh, entice him to commit murder. Like, is is that what the mom wants for the child? I think it was a, I think it was a test. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and and I don't know. Sometimes I mean, that's the yes. Thing no, always, I'm with you I'm, on that because Adrian I'm, says I don't. I I'm not like them, mom. Right. And well. She, I'm, Go ahead, Phil. Sorry. Uh, I was just going to say that Eric had his point there, which is because we see a lot of these ghost stories, whether it's something huge like Stephen King or just random films, you know, like like this one here, where ghosts who the people that are murdered were decent and good people when they were alive. And then when they are killed, they become evil monsters out for vengeance. And a lot of that is how, how these films end up but i could see a lot of this time when a good and decent person is murdered and if there were ghosts that they wouldn't be there to get vengeance they would maybe want want um some sort of closure but not evil vengeance and so i see eric's point completely which it was surprising that the mother who seemed we're assuming is decent we don't know her that much wanted her son to to do murder but i'm not sure that like i said i'm not sure she wanted to i feel like it was a test and at the end we see her smiling as he's leaving i i feel like that was or was that just glad she had closure because they were the the bad people were killed i think her him leaving and doing nothing was part of her closure yeah i think so too but i also think like i said you know she is the mother who was separated from her baby basically. And she, it was kind of a test for her to make sure that her son was okay, that her son was not damaged by these people because there is a theme in this about trauma and how, if we don't overcome our trauma, you know, it will eventually do us in and how it can be passed from mother to daughter, right? That theme, that, that theme is definitely in there. Um, so, like, for example, they had Amy sitting at the same seat in the table where she sat where her mother was abusing her with the food. And now she's doing the same thing to her son. Go and eat your fucking food. So, you know, I think maybe that's part of that theme or at least supports that thematic idea, that thematic concept that she wanted to make sure that her son, because her son essentially was a baby when these women took him, um, was not going to end up awful like these two women. But 
that's did, what did I got. She also it. want, did she, but did she also want some sort of vengeance or something? Oh, I definitely think she wanted vengeance. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But she mostly but I mean, let them sure. take care of each other rather than doing much herself. Right. And she snapped. Hand. She snapped Judas' neck. I mean, she had the power to kill anyway. Yeah. She yeah, could have just think, killed them both. So yeah. But I also think that she was manifesting more strongly as the film went along. So she yes. may not have had the power to do that at the beginning. Well, um, and yes, I, I agree with you there. Yeah. Here's the thing. Uh, we're talking about she had a plan. Did she have a plan, though? Would she have right, been right. there if they didn't light the candles? Uh, we don't know. I yeah, have, I, I don't think she would have been there if they didn't light the candles. And, see, and feeling, evil wasn't in the house, meaning meaning Amy or whatever her name was. See, my, my feeling or my rationalization, if you want to work that instead of feeling, um, is that the ghost was probably just following the boy anyway, right? That they took her baby from her and the spirit was following the child. Right. But it had no way to manifest. And the lighting of the candles allowed it to. Hmm. That could be. Yeah. That sounds step. reasonable. Yeah. That would be my rationalization of it. Okay. Um, just from a storytelling point of view. And I think, like, but we talk about ghosts and different stories justify their ghosts in different ways or explain them in different ways. And I've always kind of seen two of the basic types of ghosts are the the ghost that stuck in its death, whatever it was feeling when it died, you know, is kind of the thing that's driving it. And so if it was, you know, so when you, they have these violent deaths and you, you, you die terrified for your life and angry and you want to fight. And those, so you end up getting these violent manifestations of the ghost. But I don't think that's what we have here because this is a rational ghost. She wants, yep. she's the unfulfilled purpose. She's got the unfinished business. And that unfinished business is taking care of her son. Well, and I like your idea of her manifesting stronger as time goes by, because at first only the kid sees her, but eventually they're all able to see her and she's able to manifest, you know, in front of them all and then do that, you know, neck breaking. (laughs) You know, and that's really, Mike, I really like your explanation of the ghost had been following the kid the whole time. That that makes complete sense to me. Like and then anything else. Yeah. I mean that, the, yeah. because that, oh, yeah, that's, that, that's why I brought the insidious example up at the beginning. Obviously the insidious example was for different reasons, nefarious following the boy. But here, I think it was still the same principle where there was the, the ghost was following an individual, not specific to a location or a house. Yeah. Well, and also, why why and were the ghosts drawn to Carrie Ann? Why were the, why was the demon drawn to the boy? In this case, you don't need that explanation. We know why the ghost was drawn to the boy. It's her freaking son. Um, and I don't like. I don't know. Maybe the the director had all this in mind in the first place. Um, so that's a possibility. Uh, and he just didn't feel the need to say it. And I'm perfectly fine with that. And we've mentioned this before that they don't always have to give us the explanation, but it helps know that there is one because it keeps the rules of the world. And the story consistent. Well, yeah, um, and I going back to that light thing too. This makes sense now, also because like the lights were specifically green, or they had a greenish hue. And at the end, there's a green street light in front of the car when Adrian's in the car and backing out, and the mom is in the house. 
And so she's essentially letting him go. But like I said, that was the first thing that got me clued into looking at the light. Because if you think about the great Gatsby and the symbolism of the green light, I mean, my God, there's like a thousand things um, that, you know, if you go onto Google, there's 50,000 things that'll come out about the symbolism of the green light and what it represents. But to me, that light was always about Gatsby's muse, right? It was like the thing that kept him going, the thing that reminded him that he had to keep after his desire and keep working toward his goal, which had to do with wanting Daisy, you know? And so I, to me, I sort of connected that with the ghost as she has achieved her green light now, and that's why she can let him go. Because she's no longer following him now. She's trapped in the house. Does that make any sense? What I yeah, it sure does. Or it does, does it sound crazy. Because I couldn't understand why she was trapped in the house. But in light of Mike's explanation now, that makes complete sense. Because now she's letting him go. Right. Right. Well, well the, the boy doesn't leave the house much anyway, right? I mean, I don't. I don't know. No, he, she doesn't let him. Yeah. No, but I think at the end, she's not trapped there. I think she's just uh, w- waiting until he's gone to dissipate. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah, I, I think I think her ghost is going to rest now. And also, if you notice at the end in that last shot, she's no longer distorted and uh, monstrous. Right. She's just a person. She's, yeah. she's back to her normal self. Yeah, yep. she ain't demonic anymore, right? Right. That's or, pretty- or, or maybe, maybe now that the, the the people are gone, she's going to invite all the other ghosts over, and they're going to have like one of those eyed wide shut parties. <laughs> just to throw it away. Um. So uh, uh, let's talk. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, please. I was just going to say, it did make me feel a little um, uncomfortable with how I liked the twist, but I felt uncomfortable with how much it tried to make us sympathize with the main character, only to find out that she was really evil. <laughs> right. Well, fortunately, I, like that shit. For, fortunately, I liked they, it, but it made me uncomfortable. For, fortunately, they show the ending uh, or I should let me phrase the flashback and and the flashback shows her being really evil so even though she where you're right though the film is still trying to make us hate the blonde woman more mm-hmm. by saying yeah kill you know you know uh, you'll get yours now and i'm sorry that this is going to happen to you and and it's, you know almost like giddy and stuff and it's like oh i still wish the ghost would step on your face and bash it into a pulp you know because you're <laughs> a fucking you know, I won't say the words. You're a fucking. I'll just say you're a fucking evil bastard too. So you deserve all your the pain. So uh, because and, and she was get your revolted individual is what you're saying. Well, yeah, I don't. Yeah, well, put it this way. She, I don't care what her background is and if she is cluster B or behavioral health. There it is. Okay. Or just just you know, just just depression, whatever it is. Uh, you know, a trauma as from childhood. The point is, is that she sought out a pregnant woman to, because this is a crime. I don't even think we explained the crime yet. Basically she, she shot, uh, not a pregnant shot, woman. A pregnant she's already woman. had the baby. She's already had the baby. Cause she sees her walking around with the, no, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. She does the stroller there. Yeah. Maybe you're right. Okay. 
All right. So so but if he's he's been born recently. Yeah, Let's it's like we're, we're we're talking like a week old baby, a couple of weeks old or whatever, months whatever. And she stalks the woman, gets her friend or quote unquote girlfriend, spouse whatever you want to call her. They go in wearing these black hoodies or robes. I mean, we'd, we'd have to rewatch it again to figure out if it was whatever. And the woman's on the ground, all bloodied, you know, b- basically begging for a life. And she says to the blonde woman, do this for me and kill her. And and so the blonde woman. Like is, Manson. And yeah. she does. Yeah, like Manson. Like exactly. Manson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was and, thinking of that scene. Right, right. And, and the difference is, is the blonde woman, even though she does it, she still felt guilty and, and there was still doubt while the one that didn't do it, the one that's telling her to do it, which is the lead character. She had no pity, regret, anything. She was pure evil, no, like no conscience or, or just evil just period. So it is interesting. You're right, Barrett. It, it's like at that point, I didn't care what Amy said because I already know who she, who she was. And, yeah, and, we were just told, right? Who yeah, she yeah, was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you, you, you know, you can be sorry all you want, but she, she ain't going to the jail to turn herself in, is she? She, no, she ain't no. trying to find the grandparents <laughs> to give the baby to. She, what was interesting, though, is that I'm, I'm not, I'm not arguing that she wasn't a murderous piece of shit. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but what was interesting is she did seem to have a genuine want to take care of the child. Yeah, and, oh. a re- and at the end, oh, yeah. a regret for what they did, but she's the one that orchestrated it all. So right, it's like right, right. it's hard to feel anything for that regret because you know that how evil what she did was. <laughs> right, and even though she was being a quote unquote caring mother, we did see points where there's a chance that she could have gone into abuse pretty easy. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a variation on the on, on the theme. Um, I kind of see the two a little different in that the one is just cray cray, right? Yeah. Unstable, unbalanced. And the other one is just mean and violent, right? Does yeah. that, you know, she's, yeah, yeah. They, they both have different behavioral like, health like, issues. Like, yeah. like, uh, you know, like a mafioso type, right? She's, she'll kill somebody if she has to without any remorse, but she's not a psychopath. Mm-hmm. And you know the other is is nuts. Mm-hmm. Now, which one? Now, maybe one? nuts because of all the years of abuse and blah 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 blah. Yeah, right. You know uh, that that's that's all perfectly fine, well and good. But we're not here to be on the on the couch. Sure, sure. And 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 to be honest, the the blonde woman, uh, we we don't see enough of her to really know who she is, but. Even 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 when she's a dink to to characters, she well I don't know never mind I'll, I'll take that back but but I mean there was opportunities that she could have got real violent to the point of of actual violence and you know but but again she did later to the waitress so so I'll take it all back she, she's yeah I well, I concur sure yeah, she's she's, she's she's a piece of shit too. Yeah. She's a piece of shit, but she's a piece oh, of she's shit a with a mission, and she's going to do whatever she ha- she feels she has to to get the mission done. Right, right. That yeah. Her goal is to, to go and find the kid and the and the woman that betrayed her, and the other one's goal is to 
take care of the kid and avoid the woman who she betrayed. Well, and it's funny because she's trying to save the boy. Like, it's not just to get revenge on the woman. She wants to save him because she knows how crazy the woman Uh, is. I'm not sure how clear cut that is. Uh, I I also have a feeling, like, because at one point she says something about after everything I've been through. (laughs) um, (laughs) I I have a feeling that, that, that she's not just trying to get to the boy out of genuine concern for the boy. She's also like, I fucking killed somebody to get that boy, he's half mine, and I'm getting him mm-hmm. back. <laughs> right, yeah, right, right, there is right. that feeling for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm not saying that she's yeah. uh, completely playing with a full deck. You know, it's that sort of bully mentality, right? right? It's um, they have that sense of entitlement and what they've earned, and with and what and what offense someone's given to them without regard for the horrible things they themselves have done. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have a feeling that if she was leading a peaceful life, she probably wouldn't because she would take offense at various things that she didn't need to, like that calling. Um, and I don't think there would be a big deal. I don't think she'd be likely to abuse the boy. She may not engage in any kind of violent behavior where I think the other one is just so unstable. Right. That So then where, where did the fucking stab wound on Amy come from? Yes. I there's a fight. That is a good point. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, that's yeah. the thing. We don't we don't know enough about their. That's what I was thinking at too. But we don't know enough about their relationship prior. We don't know if Amy, you know, hit the, the other woman over the head with a a coffee pot. Well, I mean, we don't know anything. And and being the two type of people they are, no, I just, it just we do we do like, know a little bit. We know the kid doesn't like fear. You guys are trying to let Judith off the hook, and I don't think she should right. be off the hook. And we know the kid fears her more than the than Amy, and we also but, know but, that she but, likes to use a knife. But, but so those are two critical things we do know. Well, we do also know that the kid, and this is being devil's advocate, the kid is a kid. So you, if if, if he's hanging out with this one woman, this one woman can poison him to say, oh, the other, the other woman is dangerous. We hate her. We, we can't, oh, regard. And then the boy will go, yeah, yeah, you're right. Because he's just a kid. But I do agree with the knife point. She he, she has that little knife that she probably stabbed Amy with, no doubt. And no matter the incident that made her do it, or if she just did it because she's a violent person, it still it still doesn't matter. She She stabbed Amy. Right. Right. We don't know what the circumstances were, but we're pretty sure she did that. Right. Right. So well, and uh, pieces of shit. They both got killed by the ghost and all is good in the world. Oh, yeah. both, the, uh, both the musical of Chicago. She had it coming. <laughs> now, Chris, you were going to say something. Oh, I was just, um, you know, I kind of forgot what I was going to say. Um, yeah, I sort of forgot. It was, it was in reaction to the, uh, the thing about what might have happened to her before and what yeah, what actually caused her to get that scar, that's interesting. Because, like I said, it's a red herring earlier. You automatically think that she's been attacked. But now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, well, maybe she was the one who struck first, and that's why she ended up with the knife wound. Right, right. That, and, that's why, and that's the reason why I said that, that we don't know if, like, maybe she threw the, a coffee pot or, or who knows. We don't know. It doesn't excuse her, the other woman for stabbing her. But if you got two bad people or crazy people or bad and crazy, 
it's 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 apt that oh my god oh my god oh my god phil used the word crazy email dark discussions today (laughs) yes email email phil he used the word crazy (laughs) after 12 years he said somebody was crazy Yes, yes. Well, it, well and the, it, kid, it, the kid might have seen her get the kid might have seen her get stabbed, and then that might have been made, what made him fear her, but not seen the inciting in, incident. You know, who knows? That's but, true. Yeah, that's maybe. Right, or she may have been like abusing or about to abuse the child, and yeah, there was that right. triggered a fight. Or there's that we we could come up with any scenario to justify. I think our preferred narrative. Right. And For I think sure. if it was important, then they would have clued us in. I don't think yep. it matters. They're both fucking evil assholes. Yeah. Yeah. They're not, they're, yeah. they're cluster yeah. the entire alphabet. Fuck them all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and, and that, that, that is true. It, it's like, it's like, it doesn't really matter, right? Because they murdered a, a mother and stole a baby. Yeah. And so nothing really tops that, right? Yeah. No. <laughs> That's uh, it's pretty bad. As it turned out, they were just borrowing the baby. Right. So turn over to this other girl. <laughs> right. And we don't know if there's a father out there, you know, searching for his child after his wife. We don't know anything. All we know is they did an awful thing. And now that the child has been saved from these evil people. The waitress can bring him to the proper authorities who can return him to uh, where he belongs. Which is probably going to be foster care. Well, that's true. Well, I'm, ho- I'm hoping that the child has grandparents or a father that, that are, will be happy to see him. Or, or I don't think, or how I don't think he's capable out. of remembering that. He was yeah. really right. he got took. Yeah, well, yeah, they're going to, they're, they're going to, they ha- they'll have to, right, he may be screwed for a, a month or so, but if they're lucky, they can piece back where the two evil bitches were and where there was a murder of a woman and a child disappeared. And then, then, then maybe. If Jenny be- wants to go there, she could right. just be like, hey, kid, want to live with me? And he's like, yeah. And they're like, okay. Yeah. yeah. And I, I hope getting... she does not do that. I hope she does not yeah, do that. Yeah, that, that. That doesn't she work. Nice. What's wrong with that? It doesn't yeah. work. What happens is well, that the first thing she's going to do at some point is how old is the kid? Seven, eight. Yeah, something about that. Seven and nine, somewhere like that. Seven, eight, somewhere in that in that in that late elementary school stage. Um, you're going to have to take the kid to school. Like, assuming that she's going to try to raise the child well, or take them to a doctor or whatever, and the first thing they're going to want to do is get some records, birth certificate. Right, you know, right. It's not like the doctor is going to suddenly think, you know, oh, look at this. You've never been pregnant. And here you are with a nine year old child. Dr. Schmachter. She's got a first aid kit. So, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah and right, that right. just turns into a different kind of like criminal thing crime. that was already happening, which is hiding yeah. the child away. Yep. You know, so that people can't ask too many questions. And but there's I, no I have murder, a feeling so more like nice. to do, put the child into foster care and then try to, to adopt the child if she really wants the kid. There's ways to do it that would be above board. Right. Wow. Assuming, assuming, they don't, uh, assuming they don't find uh, family. Well, assuming they don't the find real family. You guys are all in favor we're, of bureaucracy, man. We were talking about we were talking I'm not about in favor of bureaucracy. Now I'm you're bringing up the again. foster system. Big difference. And... 
Well, it, which How sad about, did this get? Well, it was my fault. For, for, well, it wasn't my fault. My, I said now the the woman can bring him to the proper authorities so they can uh, bring the child back. She's going to get abused in the process. She doesn't deserve to have to fill out all that paperwork. Yeah, yeah. I'm with Eric. I don't know, dude. I, if there could be a father, grandparents, <laughs> people out there that are, are are in desperation trying to find their child. Well, well I will find. say that there was some there was some kind of clever um, writing in this in a couple of spots. I love that exchange in the diner when Judith is like, and they're having that whole discussion about I want my you know black sugar, and you know it <laughs> goes very. Very, very um, innuendo very yeah. innuendo and a little bit on the racist side, which kind of shows us that Judith is kind of an asshole. Yeah, so the, the I like that. Weird. I, the, because the waitress, when she says how she wants the coffee, the waitress kind of insulted Judith. And it was kind of weird. It's like, just just give her the coffee with sugar and it's done. But she says, and she, she kind of insulted Judith and and I don't how? know. Why. Well, I think it's because of yeah, the way that Judith was looking at her. Judith mm. was, was looking was, at her very lasciviously. Like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and uh. also too, um I mean, at that point, Jenny, who's the waitress, knows that Amy, you know, has a female partner as opposed to a male partner. So I don't know if maybe Jenny was sort of like wondering there for a second or was a little nervous. Nah, she was clueless. I would agree. I don't think the waitress was the greatest actress. I think there was. You know, some- she was terrible. Yeah, she was. That was that, yeah. scene, that was the scene I brought up at the beginning that when Eric mentioned some acting issues, I said I thought she was really bad in that scene. The that waitress. scene was probably the worst scene I thought in the movie, uh, just from that perspective, like when she's like, just the way you like it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. That just yeah. felt off to me. That whole. Scene. Well, it didn't. I think it was clever writing. I just think that the waitress didn't really do a good job of pulling it off. But the writing well, was well done. Well, and and she was drawing too much, drawing too much attention to herself. I mean, you know, uh, people that that serve you, unless they're um, really overly the top bubbly or they're maybe hitting on you or something. They're, they're usually kind of um, in the background and, and don't necessarily uh, bring attention to themselves. And uh, Jenny, right. That's the waitress's name. Jenny. She, that's her name. Yeah. Yeah. She, she just acted the, the words she said. And I mean, again, this is, this is, this is the script. So I, mean, I can't necessarily blame the actress completely, but her expressions and the way she, the thing she said, were I just felt were so insulting and drawing attention to herself to someone that she didn't know and that was a little sketchy and it was just didn't make sense to me. I would have thought she would have been much like uh, lackadaisical. You never have a server with an attitude. I've I've had I've been pretty lucky. Um, not, not, <laughs> yeah, you, no. yeah, I don't not, know how often not, you go not, out to eat, but I've had some crazy, crazy encounters. I, I've had one or two, but not recently, to be honest. Um, but she, I don't know. She was just weird. I, I, I just thought she she was off in that scene too, like Chrissy said. There, there was something off. No, I agree her. with that. Yeah, it didn't. Yeah. It, that scene didn't feel right. Yeah. 
I just thought I just liked what was being said because I it just was very amusing. I was like, oh, I thought that was fun writing. And I will also say later on in the car where Jenny says, go fuck yourself sideways. And Judas says, that's a new one. I was like, really? Because we were saying that we all over the, in the 90s. 80s, or- yeah. 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 80s and 90s. I wasn't sure if she was being sarcastic. Oh, oh, yeah, oh maybe. Yeah, yeah maybe. I'm sure she's heard it before. <laughs> I'm well, sure she's done that, it before. That's, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> what back to, right, in the, the getting multiple takes. Like, was that, like, did she did she not nail the sarcasm in the couple of takes she had to do, right? Is yeah, right, 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 right. And if they only did, like, three takes versus, like, a major motion picture where they do, like, 40 takes, he, uh, the editor, which is Patrick Ray, um, don't, doesn't don't, doesn't have as many options any to choose from, right? And yeah, you gotta like work said, with what you got. Yeah, it's like <laughs> Mike says that you know actors can be good, but actors are really good because the the editor picks the correct take and and puts it in the film, the final product, and that's you know if they took the wrong take or if they only had three takes and they all sucked, it ain't gonna help the actor. So. Well, I will say, no, I, I, was, what, man, I have I have a lot of respect for Patrick Ray uh, writing, directing and editing this himself, because yeah, um, let me tell you, last summer I did uh, with a friend of mine, I did a reaction video to The Exorcist and trying to edit that thing and get it past the YouTube algorithm uh, for copyright. Oh, my God, I almost lost my damn mind. And I had an algorithm telling me when it was right. You know, I didn't have to sit yeah. there and guess as to what was right. <laughs> so right. anybody that can take their original material and try and uh, make all those decisions on their own, God bless you. Oh, is you're right. Is you that know, why Eric, you're not? Oh, I was just going to say that, Eric, that's the reason why recently I, I don't use songs as much from the movies and stuff to lead out because Spotify, which is one of our uh, uh, podcast uh Companies, companies that you know that release mm-hmm. our products, mm-hmm. they have an algorithm that can read uh, songs, and, and they and they email you say, uh, "Do you have the right to use this song?" And it's like, how the hell did they know I had a song in that podcast? Because you know, someone's not sitting there reading it. So, I mean, listening to it. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, you're absolutely right. It's a pain in the ass. It's terrible. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's why they have libraries of uh, right-free music that you. And that's what we do now. That's that's what mm-hmm. I've been doing. Because a handful of episodes got booted off off of Spotify, and, I, and I'm not going to go back and, and change the song. It's just like but the point that. I was trying to make is that in in editing that and trying to to make the decisions as to what was going to trigger the copyright and what wasn't, I had an algorithm telling me what was right and what was wrong. Whereas if you're just trying to create a story and you're mm-hmm. editing it yourself, you're right. really you know. Uh, I mean, I guess once you once you get more experience, you probably have a better feel for it. But you're really kind of just trying to guess as to what's going to make it the best. Um, and I don't envy uh, someone trying to make those decisions. That's the point I was trying to make. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. No, exactly. I agree. And especially I... When, when when you have uh, you do it yourself. You know, you only have your own perspective, and right. so that's why sometimes it's always better to have more people than yourself working on a film uh, that high up, as well as obviously have audiences' views 
of the dailies to see if, if okay, there's a problem here or not. Uh, Chris, you going to say something? Oh, I was just going to say on, on another note, one thing Eric was talking about, you know, being impressed by the self-editing. I was really impressed by the special effects, um, knowing that this was a small budget film. I thought the ghost when she did appear was very scary. Um, you know, I mean, well done. Oh, well done. Yeah, um, didn't time. look like cheese bang. I thought it was a good choice to render her um, not in not a very complicated way because that made it scarier and less cheesy. You know, like he didn't overdo it with a bunch of makeup and all this shit. He just did what he needed to do to make its point. And I think that was scarier um, and, and more terrifying because she did look like a real person that was all messed up as opposed to, you know, some other films which may spend a lot of money on really elaborate makeup and if you don't spend enough then it looks cheesy and I don't think that was the case here. I thought that was well done and I was also really impressed with the way Amy, when she was getting thrown around by the ghost but she didn't see anybody there, I thought that was really impressive too. Yeah, I absolutely. would agree that that was well done. Yeah, that was yeah, yeah. like yeah. And, and, and the, the yeah. monster was great. You're absolutely right. The monster. I mean, uh, like you know, me and Mike will will talk about this all the time. But you know, uh, the the ditch digger in Salem's Lot, and he's just rocking on a, a chair, and all all he has is is you know contact lenses and and you know fake fake uh, dog teeth, and he was scary as hell. You know, yeah. and 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 here. This had a little more than that, but it wasn't over the top, and it was it was friggin' scary. Absolutely, it was. It was well, a good and in regards to her uh, getting assaulted when you don't see anything, um, that was also an effective red herring. After you find out that she was, you know, they show that flashback where she's getting smacked by her mom onto the bed. Uh, so when she's she's getting assaulted and you can't see anything. You, right. It's a it's a pretty leading thing to yeah, it's her mom because you saw that flashback. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, I was really yeah. impressed by that, particularly that first time when the ghost assaults her and you actually see like her nose is bloody, but you actually see the blood on her face. And I was like, holy shit, how'd they do that? Like that was really good. Like <laughs> I was very impressed by that. So I, I wanted to definitely give this movie high marks in that department um, because I think an excellent job was done. And, you know, I didn't know the first time I saw this, knowing how hard it is and knowing how expensive things are um, with indie films with limited budgets, I did not know if we were ever actually going to see um, something that was full bodied. I didn't know when I started. So I was really pleasantly surprised when that showed up and, and even better that it, it, it scared me. Now, granted, I'm a lot more squeamish than you guys. Um, certain images will really upset me and that image upset me. And when I was like, Oh my God, I think I'm actually scared of this. That's awesome. Like, like, good. And I think um, one advantage of a low budget is that if this was a big budget film, I have a feeling that we might have seen like a CGI apparition and that would have sucked. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, having it actually be the mom, um, it just works so much better. 
Well, and we didn't yeah, see sure. more of her than we needed to either, which was also nice. Like, you know, a lot of times when you have these big budget monsters or whatever, or ghosts, or like you were saying, the CGI, it's like, let's see, 25 minutes of ghost shit to the point where it it's scariness and like it's punch kind of wears out because you get a good well, look at it, you know, but and, this way you got just enough to get freaked out, but not enough to really get tired of it. And or, one of my favorite moments in the movie was when Jenny comes to the door and Amy answers the door and you see the ghost hand come up and, and rest on her shoulder Yes, while she's talking to Jenny. And she's like, I, I don't think it's a good idea for you to come in. <laughs> I, I thought that was yeah, effective. I, I, I like that too because by the time uh, her ex comes in the house, um, she now knows what's going on. And at that point, when she doesn't want Jenny in, I don't know if she knows yet. Well, I, uh, well Amy, uh, not Amy, um, Judith told her in the car, right? No, Judith told her in the car. That's yeah, what I just said. That she, that she, yeah. But Amy, but Jenny says, well, she's not going to go. She's not going to let me in if you're with me. Right. Is that the part right. we're talking about? Um, yeah, I thought Phil I, just I was, was, I was talking about the ghost. Jenny knew what happened and Jenny did know what happened at that point. I was talking about uh, the, uh, the ghost and, and Amy not knowing who or what the ghost was right away. Ah, okay. Sorry. And at a certain point, she suddenly figures out that it's, it's uh, the ghost of the, the woman they killed. Well, she doesn't know there's a ghost at all. <laughs> right. <laughs> until, yeah. until she's already uh, messed Amy up pretty bad. Yeah. I did. True. I did have a question. I don't know if any of you guys picked this up and, Yes, I watched this movie a few times, but I could have missed it. So after Amy's phone breaks, Jenny comes to the door and says, oh, I tried calling you, but you didn't pick up. And I thought, wait a minute, didn't she, when she dropped her off, say, I'm not giving you my phone number because it's a burner phone? Did she ever end up actually giving Jenny the phone number and I missed it? Hmm, that's that's a good yeah, that could be a that could be a mistake. Could that be a mistake? I was wondering if that was a continuity issue because yeah. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. I thought she would not give her the phone, but then that was after the wild turkey scene, so maybe she did give her her phone number after they were drunk and drinking wild turkey. I don't know, but I just was wondering if anybody else um yeah. noticed that question. or maybe if I missed something. I was just curious. Yeah, that's a good catch. As a possible uh, continuity, or I don't know. Or maybe at some point she does give her the phone number, and I missed it. Or maybe there was a scene where I was going to say maybe it ended up on the other end. And it ended up on the floor or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true too. Yeah. Because that. Oh, but oh, but don't forget. There's a point where the phone is burnt, is destroyed, right? Yeah, but that's what that's what Jenny says when she so shows up. She says, "I don't like you being out here with a broken phone, yeah. not being able to call anybody." 
Yeah. Yeah, so the, the phone does get destroyed. So they, they get rid of the quote-unquote issue of cell phones by it getting destroyed, by, I think, by the ghost, right, it went during the attack? Yes. Yeah. yeah, during the ghost attack. Yeah. But, no, my question is, that, you know, Jenny drops Amy off, and Jenny says, oh, can I have your digits, meaning her phone yeah. number, and she says no because uh, it's a burner phone, uh, whatever, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But then – um. Later, they, then she brings groceries back and they have some wild turkey. Then Jenny leaves again. Then a couple days later, whatever, Jenny comes back and she says, I've been trying to call you and you haven't picked up. And I thought, wait a minute. She never gave her the phone number. Yeah, but I, I think that her, her mind very well could have changed when she came back with a month's worth of groceries. That's what I thought. And maybe that. Yeah, yeah but I just didn't know if I missed no, it. But it was, I don't think it was explicitly in the movie. All right. Yeah, I was just wondering. That's all. I just was wondering because it's thinking about it way too much. I know. Well, <laughs> I, I was trying to think of things to talk about. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I don't know if anybody has anything else. I think another moment I liked, I liked the flashback with Amy and her mom. And mm-hmm. the mom says beauty is a fragile thing and one false move and it can all just shatter. Mm-hmm. And And I think that this that that kind of provided justification for the twist ending, you know, like the, the ghost mom had her baby and everything was great. And then bam, it's destroyed by these two women stealing it. But I think it's also a commentary on that. We don't always appreciate um, the beauty that we have or the good things we have, and they can be taken away so quickly. Um, So I thought that was a theme in this. And then, you know, I don't know. I, I, I got a lot out of this. I really liked what it had to say about motherhood. Um, I liked what it had to say, you know, as a mother, sometimes when we become as women or even guys, I guess, too, when we become parents, you know, we often want to heal the mistakes that were made by our own parents. But nine times out of 10, we just repeat the same mistakes they yeah, made right, instead of fixing right. them. Um so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I liked this movie, and I would recommend it. I don't know if anybody else has anything to say. I think I'm pretty much said everything I wanted to, so. Yep. Yeah, I'm good. Uh, uh, what about you, uh, Barrett? What do you got that's on your list that you haven't uh, brought up yet? I think we've discussed everything that I was intending to discuss, so. All right. What about you, Mike? Mike, you got anything uh, that? No, I, I don't really have a lot to add. Um, I can just tell you I've been kind of mentally exhausted so I'm, I didn't pick up on maybe a lot of things certainly a lot of stuff that Chrissy picks up um, but uh, yeah no I like I said I like the film I think these are all really good points it makes me want to go back and revisit it so uh, yeah but other than that I don't think I have anything else to add yeah I'm sort of hoping that I know I'm an old fossil but I still like my discs, and I'm sort of hoping that this will be made available at some point on a disc so I can actually own it, own it, and not just digitally, because I do enjoy my discs. But. Now, now you mentioned that you, you, you've uh, talked to uh, Patrick recently. Uh, did he mention anything about it uh, going to disc? He did not, no, and I did not ask him. Okay. So, yeah, he, I was get we were kind of talking back and forth for a while. And then I got really slammed busy with an anthology deadline I was on. And then I had something else big come up that I had to go deal with. And so I sort of fell off the face of the earth. 
Um, and I think that's when he probably reached out to you, Phil. Gotcha. Because right. I said, oh, reach out to Phil again. I just, I'm so sorry. I've just been so crazy. <laughs> I haven't had a second. Um, sure, sure. So, yeah. So, yeah, I haven't talked to him in a little while. But um, anyway, that's that. All right. All right. All right. So it seems like everybody has said that they had nothing else to add, uh, including myself. I don't think I had anything either. So I guess uh, that pretty much wraps up our discussion on the film itself. Uh, so we do have a little time for what we've been watching, uh, things that are news that may be interesting to uh, our listeners. So, uh, Chrissy, since you uh, have been on for a while, uh, maybe you'd want to start. You, I mentioned, uh, or you mentioned before the episode that you've seen a, a number of uh, horror films recently. Yeah, um, I actually have had some time to indulge in an awful lot of stuff. Um, which has been really nice and and a pleasant a pleasant uh change of pace for me because you know I really haven't had a whole lot of time um and it's just been crazy past couple of years actually I would say about a year and a half it's been a nutty year and a half but um the first thing that I watched I finally got around to watching American Horror Story um season 10 which is the double feature. It's a uh, red tide and death Valley. Um, I really, really enjoyed the red tide segment. Um, because the first half is set in Provincetown in winter. Uh, and I will say that not only did I enjoy the story and I thought the story was really well done. The acting was great, but if you want to know what Provincetown really feels like in winter, they nailed it. I mean, they nailed it. Um, watching that was like, I felt like I was home. Um, that's a pretty accurate depiction of the way that place actually is in, in the middle of January. Um, Cause I did spend three Januaries living there. Um, so yes. Um, the second part though, death Valley I could not get through it at all. Like the first episode, I think is episode seven, maybe or whatever. Was, I just the grays oh, in thought it, it was right? awful, huh? That was the episode. That was the the story with the grays in it. Yeah, I I could I thought it was really awful. I think I got three quarters of the way. No, I did finish the first episode when they all find out, you know, whatever. And I was just like, okay, I think this is very confused. I don't know whether it's supposed to be comedy or meta or, and it just seemed very messy to me. Um, but anyway, that was my thoughts. So I highly recommend the first half, maybe not the second, but I know Phil loves the grace. So maybe he liked it if he saw it. Um, Which one was this? I don't know. Um, it was American horror story season 10. It was a double oh, feature. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it, but I heard, yeah, it has the craze or something. So that's well, good. the second part of it does. The last four episodes do. It's a totally different story, and they're not connected with each other. So it's almost like a, like they call it a double feature. So it's like two separate movies, supposedly. But um, I, I don't know. I just, I don't know, Phil. I'd be interested to get your opinion on that because you're a gray person like I am. Um, so I could just watch the last four episodes. And yeah, that would be it. That would be for fine. the grace. If you want to, yeah. If you're not interested right. in, and, the, and in I the, wouldn't have to. I wouldn't miss anything if I missed the the ones before the episode. 
No, uh, uh-uh. uh, no, you wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to check so it out. So try it out, but I will. Because Phil's been disappointed by a lot of stuff recently that thinks it has grades, but it doesn't. No, no, no. Well, the story is, and I'll be curious because there's two things. One thing that Phil loves, and one thing that Eric hates, and uh, that it's 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 also got a bit of politics because it starts in like the crash landing in Roswell, and yeah. the the alliance between the American government and the Greys. And how history uh, unfolds. So you have like uh, Eisenhower and uh, Nixon as characters. Uh, and I think maybe Johnson. But it, it just kind of follows uh, events as time goes by. It's I, I had I had got a kick out of it personally. I had fun with it. Uh, it's maybe not the greatest thing they ever did, but I thought I had some fun. But it has great. Yeah, I was... I was going to recommend it to Phil the second part. I did the background, but they're there. Yeah. Yeah, Grace. Yeah, I didn't enjoy the second part, but like I said, I thought the first part was so phenomenal, and and probably just all around great. The first part was for me really original story, just interesting. The stuff before the grades. Yeah, the stuff before the grades. Red tie. Phil has an erection thinking about grades. I know. Um. But so maybe it was just a letdown afterward of the second part that I wasn't into. Um, but, you know, I also have a really strong connection, like I said, to Provincetown in winter. So I was already probably going to be in love with the damn first half if it sucked anyway. Because, I mean, you can even see when they do some flyovers, I'm like, oh, my God, there's my apartment there. There's my apartment there. Like, I can kind of see my own, like, where I went. And, oh, my God, they're in my stop and shop. Like, you know, it's like kind of interesting. So I watched that. And I also watched a bunch of movies that are free on Prime right now. And they were part of the Black, um, the Bloomhouse television series originally. And I thought they were all good. There's one called The Lie, um, which is about a girl who supposedly murders her friend, basically murders her friend, but you never know if it was intentional or not. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, Then there's one called Black Box, which has some really disturbing imagery and has Felicia Rashad in it. And that's about a guy who loses his memory in an accident. I watched that. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. I thought it was really good. And it's got some really creepy imagery in it, too. Then there was one called Evil Eye, which is deeply rooted in the Indian culture. um, And, of course, centers around dating and you're not married and this and that. But it does take a very supernatural turn. Uh, Then there's one called The Manor, which has Barbara Hershey in it. Uh, And she's a wonderful actress. And... It's kind of a typical setup, like creepy. She has to go to an old folks home and live there and there's creepy stuff going on. But the thing that made that really interesting was how it sort of ended up and how she becomes the final girl. But it goes where you're not expecting it to. And then there was one called Nocturne, um, which is about a, a, a music student who is driven to succeed. And if you are into if you enjoyed Black Swan, you would probably like Nocturne. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised by all five of those. I thought they were all good. They all had their merits. Um, and so anyway, that's what I've been watching in the last week. So I just wanted to pass those on to listeners. If anybody was interested in any of that. 
All right, sounds good. Uh, Eric, what do you got? Um, well, we took a week off, so it's been a couple of weeks. Um, I believe since the last time we recorded, I went to the theater and saw Scream 6, um, which was much better than Scream 5. Um, it, it had some issues, but I, I generally enjoyed it a lot more than the last one. Um, let's see. I also saw 65 in the theater, which is Adam Driver versus Dinosaurs. Um, so if you want to see that, that's where you see it. <laughs> you're, you're either on board or you're not. Um, then I watched a direct-to-video uh, tornado movie called Supercell, which was actually much better than I was expecting when I clicked on it. Um it actually has Anne Hesh and Alec Baldwin in the movie, which is why I suspect it did not get a theatrical release. Um, but it was, you know, I've seen a lot of a lot of shitty direct-to-video disaster movies because I I tend to enjoy watching them, uh, and this was actually one of the better ones. So it was called Supercell, if that's your thing. Uh, and then I watched the movie we watched tonight. Where can I get Supercell, Eric? Because that VOD. sounds like it's up my alley. It's VOD. Maybe on, okay. So Amazon Prime probably? Yeah, well, probably, yeah. Wherever you rent it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, sounds good. Uh, Barrett, what do you got? Um, let's see. I saw the same movies as Eric, and yeah, I agree. Uh, Scream 6 was much better than Scream 5. Um, so I really enjoyed that one. Um and then 65, eh, you know, it's, it is what it is. It's a dinosaur movie. You're either going to like it, like Eric said, or you're not. You're going to be into it or you're not. And uh, it's an okay movie. And that's pretty much it for me. All right. Uh, what about yourself, Mike? Um, I've been busy with a lot of school shit. I haven't watched a lot. I did manage to get time to sneak off into the theaters uh to see 65 um which is an episode something we talked about as an episode and i'll agree that i don't think it's worth an episode um so, but let me just paint you a picture here imagine post uh, sorry imagine an apocalyptic landscape in which a man must escort a young girl to safety and that this landscape is, in theory, populated by monsters, but you hardly ever see them. If that sounds familiar, you, it, it's, it is. It's kind of reminded me a lot of The Last of Us. And uh, You're yes, going to have are, dinosaurs in that dinosaur park, right? Yeah, it's like <laughs> on occasion, maybe. Uh, and they're not really dinosaurs. They're going to be things that kind of sort of look like dinosaurs. But if you know anything like dinosaurs, they're really just monsters. Um, I enjoyed the monsters. I had fun. I, I had fun with the film. I knew going into it that was going to be an issue. It's only a 90-minute film. Um, it could have been better. I think it could have been edited better. Uh, it really would have benefited from having... See, the, the biggest problem with the film, and I realized this from... Uh, the, from the, the, the trailers was that there were, it's a story in which there are only two human beings on a planet of dinosaurs. And that seriously cuts back on your ability to have people being eaten by dinosaurs. They needed far more red shirts and they gave us no red shirts. And that's disappointing. 
Um, they didn't give us many dinosaurs. They needed far more dinosaurs. But eh, it's it's it is definitely a Netflix kind of film, right? That if you have an interest in it, Netflix it. Don't don't feel the need to run out and spend you know twenty bucks or whatever it is to go see it and and then get popcorn and a drink. Um, and then uh, what was it two nights ago? I actually did see uh, being the superhero nerd I am. Uh, Shazam: Fury of the Gods. I was a really liked the first film. Uh, and this was actually probably, I'm not saying it's the best comic book film, uh, but it's probably the one I enjoyed the most since uh, James Gunn's Suicide Squad. Because, you know, some of them, like uh, Wakanda Forever, for reasons are are not terribly fun. And for good reasons, they're not meant to be fun in the same way. Uh, or they're ones that have issues or problems. This one I just had a blast with. And the final act... Uh, has a bunch of mythical monsters in it, which tickled me. So I enjoyed that. I thought Helen Mirren was was very good in it um, as the villain. So it was fun. If you didn't like the first one, you'll you'll not like this one. But if you did like the first one, uh, you probably will. And it's done terribly at the box office for a wide variety of reasons, I'm sure. It is directed by the guy who did Lights Out, and he's got a little bit of press by basically saying, fuck it, I don't care, I'm out of it. No, he's like, um, he's, he wants to go back to make horror films. Uh, and there are little horror movie moments in it scattered throughout. Uh, but yeah, but I, I had fun with it. So if you have any curiosity, I would recommend it. Anything else, Mike? Um, no, my wife and I did start the last season of uh, that girly show that you did the podcast about discovery of witches oh yeah uh, and uh eh, it's okay I, that's that's kind of my feeling about the show um i'm not a big fan of the show but my wife wants to watch it so i've been like it we would never go back to it otherwise Pam like it as far as i know but the, my life just got really busy the last two weeks so we're stuck gotcha. on episode two gotcha all right. So, so you'll you'll go get back to it. It's just that right now you get busy. Gotcha. As soon as yeah, as soon as you know, I yeah. After this Saturday, my time should free up dramatically. Gotcha. All right. Sounds good. Uh, yeah. For me, um, yeah, I uh, went to down to Pennsylvania um, to uh, Creature Feature uh, our convention. Um, goddamn Siri. Um, and uh, that so, was pretty good. Real, real question for you. Yes. Why don't you deactivate Siri? I don't know how to do it. I have to Google it. Yeah, I, 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 I'm telling the truth. I have no reason to try to make something up and say, oh, I don't know, Eric. Um, I'll give you yeah, handouts so, in the settings. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll Google it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yes, I went to Creature Feature um, and um, no one knew I was going except I guess the folks here on the, on the podcast uh, and specifically Mike because Mike is more familiar with it than the others. And um, it was pretty good. I um, People uh, saw me and after I got back home asked if it was me because they weren't sure if it was me even though I had a Taylor Swift shirt on. And uh, and because no one knew I was going. Uh, I kept it on the low low. Don't ask me why. I just well, actually, that, you know why? Because I don't like telling people when I'm away from my house because then 
they know you're not at your house. And if they follow you on social media, they can then go and try to break in your house. So um, I, I didn't tell anybody. A piece of real world advice. If you think somebody might break into your house, don't friend them on social media. That is true. <laughs> exactly. And, and I did change all my, my posts to be uh, only for friends. Um, anyway, so, but either way, uh, my wife and kids stayed at home and so I didn't want anybody to suddenly show up. Um, but either way, uh, that may just be me being paranoid too. But, um, so yeah, so Justin Patrick from, uh, podcast, he's a podcaster. He saw me there, but he didn't come up to me. He asked me and uh, his co-host, uh, I think her name is Amy, uh, asked me after the fact if that was me there. And then I know John Jack was there. Uh, though he showed up on Saturday, I only did the Friday night because uh, I had a big event uh, with the family on Sunday, so I had to use Saturday as a travel day. Um, but there was other folks there. I did say hi to the, the Skiza Care table and um, uh, bought a bunch of stuff, mostly for uh, my kids. Uh, I didn't buy actually I didn't buy anything for myself. Um, at the convention, I, I bought my stuff other other places, um, and uh, so that was good. Uh, and I did have Friday morning off uh, and available, so I went to which was St. Patty's Day. So I went to uh, um, uh, United ninety three uh, memorial site with the crash site, uh, and did that museum and stuff. And so all week I've been on my free time. I've been reading books about United. 93 and so i haven't watched anything except for this movie um so that's the only things of interest and note for my uh listeners here was the creature feature uh convention it's a good convention and uh they have it yearly in uh southern pennsylvania southern south, south central pennsylvania and of course uh, the movie we watched tonight uh and i did play some uh, resident evil uh, village, uh, because with my kids, because they wanted to play. And so, uh, we, we played, uh, the Lady Dimitrescu castle as well as injustice league Two. Uh, we play that a lot too. And, and it gets very competitive where the girls get very angry at everybody if they lose. Um, but, uh, Mike, <laughs> yeah, oh, they, they, yeah, they, they take, <laughs> Holy it. crap. I don't yeah. want to be in your house when that happens. <laughs> Socket when they lose. <laughs> uh, but uh, Mike, uh, speaking of Resident Evil: The Village, uh, I know that you uh, have just picked it up and you were um, recently playing it. Have you have you got to it yet? I was not recently playing it. I just picked it up. Gotcha. So you haven't started yet. Gotcha. Mike has a long history of buying things and never doing anything with them. <laughs> like the mountains and mountains of movies in his house. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. Right. But he frees up this weekend. So there you go. I'll be asking you next week, Mike. Um, and, I have and, this mental uh, image of Mike's house in my head. It's just like stacks and stacks and stacks of Blu-rays and DVDs with just like one little path leading through the, you know, from room to room. Yeah. Not exactly wrong. Oh, yeah. I don't know. My housemate has like an entire man cave and it is floor to ceiling laser discs and betas and VHSs and DVDs and Blu-rays and records and I don't know. And that really is tunnels. It's right, tunnels. Right. <laughs> it's like so much shit. But So uh, uh what else? Um 
Oh yeah, yeah. So, so uh, yeah, so, uh, so we got because uh, a couple of people at the convention thought my shirt was awesome, the Taylor Swift shirt, and then I got hit on by three women. They, they were just being nice. That's not awesome. Oh my god! Uh, well, no, no. It was, yeah, you're probably right. They may, have, they, they may have just been busting me, uh, but I don't think so. I think they like my shirt. Um, and then um, yeah, I got hit on by three girls, so that was good. This no, was the first no, you three. Did. They were just being 20, nice. 23. First, first three. Yeah. Oh, you got hit on by three girls. No one fucking cares. Yeah, no, nobody hit on Phil. They spoke to him and he thought he was being hit on. Right. Because he, because you know, he could be a really awesome dilf. I could see him being a dilf. What's a dilf? Daddy, I'd like to fuck. Oh yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. You can tell when when it's there, just talking to you, and when they kind of like you. At least I don't know if you can. I know I, I know personally that I could I was very bad at that kind of thing because I went to my high school reunion and like I found out like all these guys were kind of I had such a crush really like Only I had no idea no clue. Yeah. <laughs> no clue. only narcissists are good at noticing it because it's not real <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, I I never noticed it either. It was only oh burn. It only started happening <laughs> since twenty twenty one. I've noticed. Well, because you started uh, but, working out and getting all yeah. hot, Phil. Yeah, I lost. Yeah. I did lose the forty pounds, and and I started working out. So yeah, that that has helped a lot. Yeah, and yes, uh, Barrett, I am cluster B. So watch out. <laughs> Is, is your arm hurting too? Because you're patting yourself on the back a lot tonight. <laughs> yes, I, I am not this personality disorder. I'm glad you're taking it in the way it was meant, Phil. Which is an insult. All right, so I think we can give our final thoughts on this. Uh, movie here, but before we do, uh, Eric, you actually do another podcast with your buddy Dan. I do. It's a general interest podcast called the Ascanity Podcast. A S K A N C I T Y. You can find it wherever you get podcasts. And uh, Mike, uh, me, you, and Erica do a, a side podcast. What's that all about? That would be the Cinema Alec Part Podcast, which may or may not be on a monthly schedule. Now we'll see. Um, but you and Eric and I take turns. I'm. I don't know why I'm telling you. You already know this. But we take turns picking films that do not comfortably fit into the dark discussions uh, of year. So, and by which I mean, if we picked it for dark discussions, there would be a fight over it as to whether or not it was a dark discussions film. Mm-hmm. And that basically allows any one of us to put, to hit the it's a cinema a la carte film button, and that ends the argument kind of there. Even if one person then to then go then pause it, but I want it not in. That's, that, that's okay. Um, so we just finished recording an episode on uh, a little film that won the Oscars, which was uh, and won all the Oscars, and that was uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, and so look for, out a, for that episode. It's in the queue. And that, that, that episode's coming. It was a two-to-one split. I won't tell you who liked it and who didn't like it, uh, but you'll have to tune in to, to find out. Uh, but we also I already know. The, yeah, well, <laughs> listening to the episodes, you know, when some people watched the film and already gave their feedback. But again, I don't want to spoil anything. You'll have to tune in to find out. And then we've done episodes more recently on uh, Michael Clayton. Uh, we've done uh, The Edge with uh, Alec Baldwin and 
Sir Anthony Hopkins. And Bart the we Bear. We did uh, Collateral. We did, uh, you can tell my stuff tends to be the older stuff and a lot of heavily into science fiction. Like uh, we did, uh, Forbi- was it Forbidden Flash Planet? Did we- yeah, Forbidden Planet, Flash Gordon. 12 Monkeys. Flash Gordon, 12 uh, Monkeys. 12 Monkeys. Uh, the next coming up is a film from the early 70s. Uh, featuring an all-star cast. Indeed. I don't say any more than that. But yeah, so if you want to hear like a variety of things other than just uh, movies about women being abused. <laughs> right. That, that, that Mike's referring to Final Girls, I guess. Uh, all right. Sounds good. Um, and uh, Barrett, myself, you with a random group of co-hosts uh, do another podcast? Yeah, Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews. And again, it's like the other one uh, that you three do on your own. Um, we Things that don't comfortably fit in dark discussions or Eric doesn't want to watch or That's the whatever point. it might be. Um, fits For the record, <laughs> I have never tried to dictate that you can't do a movie I don't want to watch on dark discussions. You can do it on dark discussions. I just won't be there. Fair enough, fair enough. But we we like you, to right? have we you here. You. Yeah, we miss you. <laughs> yes, yes. So, uh, things uh, we're going to be upcoming are um, the Suicide Squad and the Peacemaker TV show. We're going to be doing those at episode nine yeah. each. Oh, oh, uh, uh, interview with Patrick Ray is coming up. An interview with Patrick Ray. Um, and all sorts of other things. We've done, you know, book episodes. We've done more obscure horror films that nobody likes. Uh, so you just never know what you're going to get. Like we did Twins as a um, tribute episode at one point. So yeah, for Kelly a, Preston. Yep. Yeah, and we have upcoming in June uh, is LGBTQ month. Um, so we'll have a slate of movies that Phil will pick. For that so we'll be watching a whole bunch of movies involving homosexual relationships between men. No, no, it's a, it's a <laughs> les, lesbian dramas. Lesbian dramas. They're all lesbian dramas. You know, Phil has a thing about bears. Speaking of boutique psychotronic reviews and uh, Suicide Squad, uh, co-host Kevin is actually watching it this very moment uh, to get ready for an upcoming episode uh, in a week or a couple of weeks or so for that, or a week or whatever. Yep. Yep. So, and then uh, we just wrapped up another podcast called The Rise of the Cordyceps Infected. A Last of Us podcast, a podcast that was about the weekly television series on HBO, The Last of Us. Uh, it so was not about work. zombies. I can guarantee that. Yeah, or cordyceps. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so let's give our final thoughts on this film here. Uh, once again, they wait in the dark. So let's start with you, Chrissy. Uh, well, I liked it. I highly recommend it. I think there are definitely some deeper themes to explore in this. There's some nice symbolism. Um, Overall, I'm going to give it a recommend. It does have its, you know, we talked about it on the podcast, some things that maybe could have been done differently or a little better. But for the most part, this is really, really worth it. Definitely go out and rent it. So there's some, it's, if you like ghost stories, you'll like it. If you like movies that have something a little bit deeper and darker to say, about life, you'll like it. If you like mean women abusing each other, you'll like it. Um, so yeah, check it out. All right, sounds good. 
And uh, uh, no, it's actually let's go with you. Or we'll go in the same order we did before. Sorry, is it me? Yep. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I like this movie. Uh, it's a little rough around the edges, uh, as a lot of indie films are. Uh, but you know what? Sometimes you watch an indie movie and you're like, I hope this person doesn't make any more movies. Sometimes you watch an indie movie and you're like, I hope this person keeps making movies. And Patrick Way is one that I hope keeps making movies. And this is definitely the best indie film I've seen so far this year. Uh, so I give it a recommend uh, if you're into the indie movie thing. All right. Very good. Uh, yeah, for me, um, yeah, I, I would concur with uh, what um, – Eric said, uh, I'll, I'll read Jeanette Cat Solis's uh, first few lines of the New York Times review. It says, Ray, a prolific independent filmmaker, which is exactly what Eric just said, deploys mm-hmm. the gore judiciously and his actors are above reproach. That may be a little hyperbolic, that last statement, but um, <laughs> it is a good film. It is a good film. It's a judicious war. I mean, if you've seen things like, you know, the Evil Dead remake or Dead Alive or, you know, it, it's it, it's it's got OK gore, but. Hardly judicious, but anyway, yeah, that's fair too. That's fair too. Yeah, good point. Um, but either way, um, yeah, so, so it was a little hyperbolic that that, but but it is a good film. It's a good film. Uh, let's go with you, uh, Barrett. Yeah, I like this film a lot. Um, it's 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 kind of slow in the beginning. It's a slow burn, and then at the end, it really ramps up. It's like a roller coaster ride. Um, I agree with everything everybody else has already said. Uh, and it's well worth watching. And I think I even heard a lot of things that I hadn't thought about until we talked about it. So I like it even a little more. All right. And Mike. Yeah, I like the film. Uh, it, it helps that it wasn't skin of a rink or the outwater. But I'm also going to be honest is that, like I said, I've just been so busy. I was a bit mentally fried. So some of it at this point is watching movies for the podcast just so I can watch the movie for the podcast. And I'm a little mentally checked out. So I probably need to rewatch and probably will rewatch because I did like it. I think this conversation has me interested in going back and and seeing things that I may have uh, otherwise missed. Uh, but I, I definitely recommend, especially, you know, I believe in supporting the low budget, uh, indie filmmakers when we can, you know, we, we hear all the time, why, why do I have to go see Scream 6 or, you know, why are they making another Evil Dead or another John Wick or another superhero film? Well, those movies, we've been saying this for freaking 12 years by now. Why aren't you listening? There are a lot of movies out there that you can go see that are not, that don't have a number in the title. Right. Or a colon or something. So this is one of them. Give it a shot. You might just love it. All right. Sounds good. So uh, once again, uh, this film here uh, is directed, edited, uh, co-produced and written by Patrick Ray. They Wait in the Dark, released February 7th uh, on VOD. Uh, so available to rent anywhere films are available to rent or purchase. And, um, yeah, it seems like uh, all of us uh, had some affinity to the film, so it may be worth checking out. Uh, so with all that stated, Eric, why don't you leave? Oh, oh, actually, I forgot to do one other thing. Chris, you do things. <laughs> what do you do? 
What do you oh, do? I do things. Well, um, yes, I am a short fiction writer who has my fingers in a lot of pies. I have an anthology coming out that I edited called Wicked Sick from the New England Horror Writers. That will be out at the end of April. Um, at the same time, I am working on the spring issue of 34 Orchard, which will also be out at the end of April. In fact, both of them are getting released on the same day. Shoot me now. Um, and... Uh, I am working on a screenplay for the second film um, in the Candlewood franchise, which kicks off this fall. And I don't know. You can find out more about me at ChristyPetersonSchoonover.com. All right. Sounds good. So um, with that stated, Eric, may you lead us out. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Let's talk about They Wait in Dark. Come back next week. We'll have another topic. <laughs>